in order to have salvation, mm. you need an encounter with Christ. Right. In order to come into the truth, you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so our salvation leads to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is in tandem with encountering truth. Mm. And so when we encounter truth and we engage it, we then engage the power to be made free. Mm. That liberating power of the truth. Welcome back to the Christ is All podcast. I am your host, Elonzo Davis. It's a pleasure to have you all again. And so we are back for episode two, and we have my beloved brother in Christ with me. I uh, minister with him here at World Harvest Church with this outreach we do called Street Reach, and we're actually gearing back up to begin Street Reach again at the end of this month. And so you all know him. You all love him. He's very energetic. He's a go-getter, and he like he's that guy that makes you uncomfortable. Like You think, am I praising God hard enough? This is that guy. <laughs> And so I want to introduce everyone to Malcolm Biznov. Happy to be here. <laughs> yes, he's a praise and worship monster. Oh my gosh. In a good way. <laughs> and so Malcolm, could you um, just introduce yourself? Let us know where you're from, your age. Uh, well, we know you go to World Harvest Church. What brought you to World Harvest? Yeah, well, my name is Malcolm, Malcolm Biznov. I am 32 years old and I reside at Wold Harvest Church, Roswell Church, Georgia. Senior pastor is Pastor Merrick Hopkin. <laughs> and what else? Oh, where were you born? Oh, snap. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Good old Canada. <laughs> hey. All right. <laughs> Did the people really say hey? I mean, in certain parts? In certain parts. Oh, wow. Thought that was like a stereotypical thing. And so, um, so he transferred over, and that's how I ended up here. All right, cool. Well, that's enough of the background information. And so, as you all know, this platform, this podcast exists to just get a mic in front of these people that don't normally have a way of getting this information out about their testimonies and what God is doing in their life. So we base this off of Revelation 12, 11, which says that in that day, they shall overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. They will not love their lives even unto death. And so getting the preliminary out of the way now, Malcolm, assuming Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, right? I just want to ask you, have you received his sacrifice and his blood? Absolutely. Hallelujah. And so do you have a testimony to share with us today? There are many testimonies that I have. We just need one. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll give one. One at least. I'll one at least. We're going to let the Spirit use you. Yes. Hallelujah. And so will you be a faithful witness to that testimony or testimonies that you'll share? Absolutely. Well, praise the Lord. Well, um, can you just get us started? What are you going to talk about? I am going to talk about um, my... Hmm. I'm going to talk about how God helped me... Um, I want to say regain my identity. Whoa. I felt anointed. <laughs> and so... Um, kind of ties back to how I even you know came about when I first started you know living in Georgia it's then really it's a long story but I'm gonna make it not that long <laughs> but basically um, up to from middle school to high school I've had um, yeah you know I was saved but you know wasn't really saved saved like didn't mm -hmm. have that like understanding that understanding of that this is a relationship between uh -huh. me and God. Yeah. And so with that being said, you know, if I don't have that relationship, I don't know who I am really. 
I'm just kind of like, I just have this title of Christian. Mm. And so um, I was, I was super, um, I was a super shy kid um, growing up and didn't really have a lot of confidence in myself. And so, um, you know, throughout that time, you know, growing up, I, uh, you know, I fell into certain things. And, you know, one of those things, you know, as a man, honestly, like, you know, I fell into um, things regarding lust. Yeah. I, um, and is it okay to share this? It's fine. Yeah, bro. Yeah. I'm, I'm, sure. As okay. the Holy Spirit leads you to speak, bro. You know, um, I, you know, growing up, I struggled. I struggled with pornography. And during those struggles, um, it was, it was a time to where I couldn't, I had trouble really accepting, uh, how should I say this? <laughs> I guess how should I say this is that, um, my, I found my identity in that stuff mm. and in finding my identity in the, in, in doing that stuff, it, you know, it messed me up inside. It messed me up to the point to where I was getting these bad thoughts, thoughts of just, um, you know, really just negative thoughts, thoughts of really wanting to, you know, inflict hurting on myself, thoughts of just, you know, worthlessness, thoughts of just uh, not good thoughts. Mm -hmm. But after a while, you know, after a while, as I started going to World Harvest Church and I started to get really involved there. Um, well, really, partly how I got involved there was because I saw how there was people my age that were on fire for God. Mm -hmm. I never seen that before. Mm -hmm. I was very surprised because it didn't seem like the popular thing to me. It was more like I thought, you know, I thought, you know, doing all this, you know, getting involved was like the adult thing as a Christian. Yeah. But then when I saw that people my age were doing it, it, it encouraged me to be like, you know what, I could too. And so um, after a while, as I dove in to get involved, you know, got involved, made some new friends, I really started to, um, God really started to minister to me. And it got to a point to where he wanted to, he had to deal with me with that, you know, with that thing that I was dealing with. Yeah, that stronghold. That stronghold. And so when he dealt with me and reached my reached into my heart about it, that's when I went and came up to the youth pastor at the time. And, you know, he pulled me aside. Yeah, pastor David, shout out to Pastor Pastor David. <laughs> he pulled me aside and he said, We're gonna we're gonna get get this loose off of you. And so he took me into a room, he prayed over me and um pled the blood of Jesus over me and then just you know, really got that thing off of me. But it didn't just take that because it had mm -hmm. to be practical things that I had to do as yeah. well. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the things I did was I, um, there's three people that I had as my accountability partners. <laughs> one of them was Pastor Chris before he was Pastor Chris. <laughs> and the other one was Andrew Kettner. And the last but not least, the last person was Elder Willie, <laughs> and they um, they were a big part of helping me, you know, really get 
this freeing off of me. And to the point to where, as I started doing those practical things and praying and, and um, you know, just trusting and believing that this thing is gone from me, um, I eventually lost the taste or even the want to even go to those websites mm. to look at, you know, um, look at those images to do those things. And so I, you know, I praise God. I'm thankful every day that, you know, that's not a stronghold for me anymore. That's, uh, that's not even like, it's, it's furthest from something that like I would allow to overtake me. And if it were to try, I know better. Yeah. But yeah. Hallelujah. And so like, we're not here to glorify sin, like at all, not even in the least. No. And we know that, um, well, lust is a part of the three things that the devil uses against us in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh. And um, it's honestly like sex sells. It's so prevalent today. And, um, you know, the Bible says that you actually are supposed to, we are actually supposed to flee from lust because of just where I, our human nature as God has designed us is to desire those things. And so what the devil does is he perverts that desire and he gets us to go after it outside of covenant, outside of God's design and plan for it, which is holy and righteous. And so even myself, I, um, so lust was one of the big things like watching porn, uh, sinning against my own flesh, mm -hmm. uh, fornication as well, something that I was, um, allowing to myself to be ensnared in as well. And then even when I, um, got to a place where there was a community that, believed in the Holy Spirit, that believed in deliverance from, you know, possession, oppression, all that stuff. Um, I began to like learn the truth, right? I, became, I came to understand like the knowledge of salvation. Mm -hmm. And I would even say that I got free from the strongholds that where I was literally like, like you were saying, my identity was in these things mm -hmm. because it was something I took part in every day. It's something that we talked about, like it was something casual with like all my friends back in the world as well. But um, when I got in, into the kingdom and I started to learn, okay, this isn't okay. Or not even just knowing better than to do it, but why I shouldn't be doing it. Mm -hmm. It got to a point where it's like, okay, I don't have a desire to do these things anymore. But like you were saying, now I need to be accountable to replace the habits that I used to have to welcome this, this lust, right? But going to these websites, looking at these pages, uh, following these types of accounts, it's like, I got to stop doing this stuff or I'll go back into this sin that I got set free from. And it reminds me of a verse where Paul is telling us that we need to toss off this weight that so easily besets us. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you replace that stuff with holy habits. And what helps you to establish holy habits is to be accountable. So I thank God that, you know, during that time, you have brothers to iron sharpens iron, right? And they stuck close with you and they just, like you're saying, just held you accountable to keep you from going back into what you've been set free from. And that's such a lovely thing. And I just, you know, the Bible also says not to forsake the assembling of the brethren together because we are stronger together. Like the Bible says that when we bear one another's burdens, we fulfill the law of Christ. And a lot of people don't have community, especially at a young age. I mean, I grew up in a church where, um, well, let me not do it like that. Let me not say it like that. But I can definitely understand where, like, participating in church at a young age was, like, taboo. Like, church wasn't fun. It wasn't exciting for mm -hmm. us. And so we would go and find our fun and excitement out in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, we go to church for what, that one Sunday and every now and then, then the middle of the week, maybe, if we go to Bible study. And it was just like, 
the rest of our day was just sowing seeds from the world, being in public school or just being amongst other just kids with no parental guidance 24-7. And the devil just gets us then and he just sows these seeds into us that eventually like grow a, a tree that has the fruit of just lust or whatever else, like lying, stealing. And that's why we see even to this day how like children in public schools need Jesus mm -hmm. desperately. And um, but like you were saying, when you got to World Harvest, even back when you got here, you had the same revelation that I had when I got here. Like, whoa, there's so many young people here that are participating, that are having fun, that are like here all the time and yeah. like serving God. I've never seen anything like that. It felt so brand new to me, mm -hmm. so brand new. But then, like you were saying, it encouraged you to be just like that, to press in. Like, wow, I can do this as well. And this is cool. Like, I'm not going to get judged for, like, you're the Jesus freak or you're the, the holy roller or anything like that. Whatever kids say, I don't know. Because, you know, one of the things that it, it didn't look like, it didn't look like, it didn't look religious. It didn't look like mm. religion. It looked like these people, these kids, these, <laughs> I'm saying these kids, but, you know, they're, we're all, we're all the same age. They, it's like genuine. It's genuine. It's real. Like, this is a real, like, there's something tangible happening here. Some sort of relationship that's happening here that. You know, they're not looking at God as just like, oh, you know, that's the guy I talk to every now and then. No, this is something that they, you feel the passion that they have. And mm -hmm. you're just like, you know, passion, I think of passion like a fire, you know, because, you know, fire can't just sit in one place. It spreads. And so I felt that, seeing that. And it touched me. And I was just like, I got to get, you know, I got to get into that. Amen. And that made me think of the verse, like Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Mm. And like all men includes the youth. Yeah. And so World Harvest Church has been doing something right. They've been lifting up Christ. And as we see, it, it's drawing even the youth unto God here at the church. And so they've been doing it since you've been here. They're still doing it now that I'm here as well. And it's a wonderful thing because we can get into this paradigm that like church is for the older people. Like raising your hand is for the old ladies, mm. being a deacon is for the old men, singing on the choir is for the women. And as a kid, you just kind of just sit there and you're like, I don't actually want to be here for whatever reason. I'm not trying to bash any churches, so I'm not going to dive into that. <laughs> but that's just not what we see at World Harvest. And it just makes me think, this is what heaven looks like. And like I say that because our church is full of people from all over the world. It's full of people young and old, big and small. It's just very diverse. And so it's like, what has happened to make this not a black church, not a white church? And, you know, you can't put a denomination on World Harvest Church. You can't put a demographic on World Harvest Church. It's just, it's for the people. And it just has to be. They just, they just lift up Christ here. And in doing so, right, they lift up what Christ does for us. And that sets people free. And so when people get here, they get to a place where they can have an encounter with Christ and having an encounter with Christ is what leads to salvation. Mm. And then that salvation leads to the Holy Spirit coming upon you and sealing you into that salvation. And he's the spirit of truth. So then you have an encounter with the spirit of truth. It gives you an opportunity to be made free. And so that's something that you soon discovered from being here, right? Oh, absolutely. Hallelujah. <laughs> absolutely. Progressively. And really, I feel, I feel that as you continue 
I want to say that it's it's not just a world harvest thing. No, <laughs> no, church thing, not that. But yeah, we love our church though. Yeah, <laughs> we, we're just bragging. We just love our church. But as you know, as I as you progressively got in that revelation, continually to grow more and more. Like, like there's still so much more about that truth. Mm. Like, I don't think like I. I honestly could say that there's I can't you know for as long as I've been there. Um, there's still some, <clears throat> for what, for what that truth that, you know, um, how should I say this? I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that that truth, that, that revelation is still glowing more and more in me. Like, I don't, I don't like as much as that, I feel like I just still scratching the surface when it comes to that truth, if that makes any sense. I hope that makes sense. Well, you keep on talking about it. <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is, is that, um, goodness, you repeat that, what you said about that truth. I, I'm trying to, oh, okay, good. So in order to have salvation, mm -hmm. you need an encounter with Christ, right? In order to come into the truth, you need an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so our salvation leads to an encounter with the Holy Spirit, which is in tandem with encountering truth. Mm -hmm. And so when we encounter truth and we engage it, we then engage the power to be made free. Mm. That liberating power of the truth. Okay. Yeah. I guess my point with that is, is that I was trying to make is there's still much more for us to, to learn about and grow from that. And that uh, because, you know, we serve such a big God, mm -hmm. like I'm sure, you know, by the time we are in heaven, it's in, in eternity, but we're still learning. For sure. So that's crazy to even think about. Like for what we know now, probably it's still surface level compared to how much we can know mm -hmm. <laughs> going forward. So let me ask you this. I mean, we talked about the um being bound to lust and being set free from it. Mm -hmm. And then and even now, right? that your testimony is you don't even have a desire for those things anymore mm. and uh well, what did you let me correct correct that okay, okay, okay. i don't give room for the desire to kind of come oh, yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> you know the i'm still are there yeah absolutely i'm still human but i'm not gonna put myself <laughs> in situations here's the thing mm. don't ever think you're too strong <laughs> to, hey. to, don't put yourself in a tempting hey, situation and say i'm strong enough to resist it no you're not the Bible tells you to flee from temptation for a reason. Amen. Like, come on now. <laughs> I was kind of what I was going to ask you. Like, what's keeping you free from that? Just knowing myself. And when I say knowing myself, I mean asking God to show me. Like, one verse that I really take, out, take to heart each and every day is to question my own motivations for some things. And the verse that I use is this, um, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Find any wicked way in me and lead me back on the path of everlasting. We got to be so um, intentional about what we do and why do we do the things that we do. Because God, God knows. Yeah. God knows your heart. And God will see past your actions to see why you did what you did. You may say that you're doing this action because, oh, you know, it would help so-and-so. 
while all the while it's more like you did it because you wanted clout or you did it because <laughs> just be seen. you just want to be seen, you know? And I think it's just super important to, you know, whatever you're doing, you go to God about it first. Um, go to God about it. That's what I love about David, King David. Um, I remember there was a story about how um, King David, it was later on in the story, but he was going to war with the, um, he was going to, he was going to fight a battle with the Philistine. And um, David, you know, I'm sure David knew he would, he could win, but he didn't go, he didn't go to himself. He went to God first, asked God for that direction. Mm -hmm. And God told him either, yeah, you can go beat him. You, you'll win. You'll have victory. <laughs> or he'll be like, nah, hold back. Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me handle it. Or well, what we can see from there, right, is that David being the great man of war that he is, I mean, he never takes a, a loss. And they get back after just fighting a battle to see that their nation has been ransacked, their their children are gone, the women are gone. David's men of valor are ready to stone him because that's how distressed they are. And David's even distressed. Mm -hmm. And so what he does is he goes and he, he asks God, what should I do? Like you would think like the obvious, obvious thing to say is, like, okay, man, let's get together. Let's go and get them. But no, he seeks God on God's will. Mm -hmm. And so God lets him know to pursue them and that he's going to give you the victory as he does and that he's going to recover everything. And then we keep reading that they didn't lose a single person. And then the Lord even keeps on helping them by sending other things on their way to go and get the people back. And I just that's the importance of acting on the word of God. And because... God's word doesn't come back void. So whenever he tells us to do something, right, it's for our own benefit. It's for our own gain. It's going to bring us victory and bring it back into abstaining from the lust, right? Mm -hmm. The word says, flee from it. So there's something that's tempting me to go, to give into lust. What do I do? I flee from it because that's what the word of God says. And that's going to give me victory in that area every single time. And people really think that, um, they think that they have to sin. People get taught that you have to sin, but there's a verse in uh, one of the Corinthian letters where it says that there's no temptation that God's going to allow to overtake us. Mm -hmm. It says that he provides a way out of every temptation. And so if God gives us a way out of every temptation. He's not going to let us be tempted above which we are able either. If I take that way out every time I get tempted, when do I have time to sin? And I don't mean make a mistake. Right. Sin is not making a mistake. Mm -hmm. Sin is willfully missing the mark of the higher calling of God to be righteous and to be holy as he is righteous, as he is holy. And so you're knowingly transgressing the law of God as he's written it on our hearts. There's every law system is based off of God's like God's word. What he says is righteous because the Holy Spirit has come to convict the world of righteousness, sin and judgment. Mm -hmm. In other words, what's right, what's wrong and the consequences of our actions. Right. And so that's something that everybody is subject to. So we know right from wrong. You teach a child right from wrong, no matter what your religion is, no matter what your upbringing is, no matter what country you live in. It just is what it is. There's right and there's wrong. And so nobody can say that I didn't know any better when it comes to sin because the Holy Spirit convicts us. That's what our consciousness does. It lets us know we shouldn't be doing this thing. Right. And so if I'm ever like, 
allowing myself or welcoming myself to do something that obviously I feel in the spirit and I know in the word that I shouldn't be doing. I'm messing with sin. I'm playing with sin. Mm -hmm. And that, like we were saying earlier, the sin of lust is so dangerous. It's so lethal because it's not like stealing. It's not like um, cursing somebody. It's, it's not like killing somebody either for the most part, for most people. Everybody's not going to want, everybody's not going to be tempted with murder. Everyone's not going to be tempted to steal. Everybody's not going to be tempted to lie. Right. There are people that will rob a bank, but they won't commit adultery and vice versa. But the thing is, our bodies are wired to desire sex, to desire women, to desire to, to not fornicate, to just, I'm just repeating myself, but have sex. I already cut that out. <laughs> and so... It's like, if I'm playing with that, I'm playing with my very nature, which makes it hard. Because it's like, I'm seriously denying my flesh here. But it's so necessary necessary because if I don't, I'm not only sinning, sinning against God. The Bible says you're sinning against yourself. Mm -hmm. You're sinning against that person. And so there's all these parties that are now being held liable. And then it just ultimately leads to destruction. When David committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba. It just led to it getting even worse. Now you have to cover it up. Yeah. The cover-up was worse than him committing the sin. Mm -hmm. He lost the baby. Mm -hmm. There's a sword in his family now. His sons rebelled against him. One son raped a daughter, and then mm -hmm. one son killed that son, and then that son rebelled against the king. And then it's just all this stuff just keeps on happening because David decided to have sex with somebody he wasn't supposed to. Yeah, it's um, such a domino effect in David's life. Um, it's so interesting that, and this is what I love about David, despite all of that, you know, the Bible says that, uh, well, God said <laughs> that David was a man after his own heart. Yeah. <laughs> For all, all of that. that, all of that. And, you know, it honestly, it gives me hope. And it, I mean, it, shoot, it, <laughs> yeah, it gives me hope. Not that I'd be doing something crazy like that, but... But there's redemption. My God, yes. I love... Um, were you done? I don't want to cut you off. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. I love um, Psalm 85. I think it's verse 6. Let me look at it real quick. And Psalm 55 as well. But I want to bring back Psalm 85 because I'm going to make a point about redemption. So, i just read it from verse 1. Lord... Um, thou has been favorable unto the land. You have brought back the captivity of Jacob. You have forgiven the iniquity of the people. You have covered all of our sins. You have taken away your wrath and you have turned yourself from the fierceness of your anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation and cause your anger toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you draw out your anger to all generations? Six says, Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Mm. And so when people do give into the temptation, they, mm. they end up sinning, right? They get drawn away and they give into it. Lust is conceived and brings forth death and sin and all that other stuff, right? There's still redemption. Yes, God enacts judgment, but there's no place in the Bible all except for Revelation. But before you get to Revelation, right? Every time God speaks about his righteous judgment, at the end of it, he tells what he's going to do to turn the people back to him. He tells what he's going to do to restore the people, to revive the land. If you would just do this, you sinned against me, now I have to judge you. 
But even after this judgment, this is what I'm going to do to bring you back and fulfill my promises. It's I just got to get you back on the right track. Yeah. Because if I have to judge these wicked nations, why do I not have to judge you? Mm -hmm. And so when God, when David gets his revelation here in Psalm 85, it's like, Lord, turn your anger from us. You, you've forgiven our sin. You've taken it away. But now I want you to revive us again so we can rejoice in you. Yeah. And that's a part of our, our very, like, purpose is to worship God, to rejoice in him. And see, like, if you're not revived, there's not going to be any rejoicing in your heart. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, God, he's willing to revive you. And so when people do mess up, they they slip up. Because you can still sin. You don't have to, but you can. But instead of getting torn up about it, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of being tormented by it, you have to understand that God's still a loving God. And as long as there's still breath in your lungs, you can come back unto him because he's a loving father. He's going to take you with open arms. That's the whole story of the prodigal son. You went and did things your way instead of God's way. You messed up. Yes, these things went wrong in your life. But when you start making those moves to come back unto the father, he welcomes you with open arms. He, the closer you get to God, the closer he gets to you. And so that's just a, a beautiful thing about the Lord we serve. He doesn't. He, yes, he's a God of wrath. He's a just God. But even through all of that, he's, he's still a God of love at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so we don't ever want to um, isolate the truth. Yes. Because the truth is a whole thing. It's not a buffet. You don't just take this part and take this part and I'm going to work with that. No, it's the truth, not a truth. Because you can't do good with a truth. It's like, um, yeah, you go to church. We went to church. Mm -hmm. But then it's like, well, we didn't, um, we didn't take wisdom on being holy. So what happens is we eventually got to this stumbling block where now it's time to be holy and act holy and we chose not to and then now our lives are not increasing yeah it's it's like yeah you have faith you're going to church you know they're speaking the word to you but you're you're negligent of the fact that or the truth that faith works by love so yeah you do know the word or yeah you do speak in tongues but you don't even have charity so you're just making noise <laughs> you know it makes me think about how a lot of us sometimes I don't know why we get to this point. Because I admit, I've gotten to this point where you'd be like, um, we're willing to deal with the consequences. Like, you know you know what I'm saying? Like, we'll just be like, you know what? Whatever. I'll just, yeah, I'll just, let's, I'll just partake. I said that a few times, yeah. <laughs> like, and, um, and this isn't really a, like a, a Bible thing, but two types of pain. Okay. The pain of regret yeah. and the pain of discipline. And so a lot of the times, you know, um, we got to differentiate which pain we want to deal with. Got to count the costs. Either one is going to hurt, but, but the difference is one of the hurts going to have a deeper, I would say a deeper feeling to it. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. know what I mean? The pain of regret, it, it sucks. I'm just being real. I... You know, I'm be real. I, I don't like feeling regret. Yeah. <laughs> I do not. I don't like feeling regret for certain things that I made, decisions, directions that I went. I don't like feeling that way. And so um, that's why it's so important that when we're having to choose between these two types of pain, we choose the pain of discipline. Sure, it's going to hurt for the moment that you're doing this. It may be annoying to wake up early in the morning to you know, do whatever you're doing, whether it's pray or go to gym or something. But you'll benefit in the long run. It's better than having that longing 
deep feeling of regret for not doing yeah. <laughs> these things or saying or making the wrong decision and doing something that's harmful to you instead yeah i just wanted to bring up uh it's crazy how many things are really just based on the wisdom shared in the bible mm. because uh the writer of hebrew shares this in uh verses or chapter 12 verses 10 through 11 that our earthly fathers disciplined us for a short period of time and they chastise us as it seemed proper to them but God disciplines us for our certain good mm -hmm. that we may become sharers in his own holiness. Mm -hmm. Then it says, for the time being, no discipline brings joy, mm -hmm. but seems grievous and painful. But afterwards, it yields a peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. And I mean, it's just like we were saying. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the pain it. of discipline yields a pleasant fruit at the end of it. Mm -hmm. It's like you go and you beat your body black and blue and you train it to diet. To, and, you know, you work out is what I was trying to say. Yeah. And you diet and that's it hurts. It's, you don't get to indulge in all this tasty food that's really just, you know, bad for you for the most part. Yeah. But then what happens is you feel better about yourself. You have more energy. You look nicer in your clothes that you're wearing. You can move around. And so that discipline yields a righteous, a righteous fruit. There's profit in that. And so that's just here in, in earthly matters. But when it comes to the realm of the spirit, right? When we discipline ourselves to obey God, we stay in his grace. Mm -hmm. We stay favorable in his eyes. And he, he, we stay his children. And when we are his children, he's a father. He provides. And what father is better than God the father? Absolutely. I, I would think... You know, even though, because, you know, what David was dealing with, that was the consequences of that wrong decision and mm -hmm. all that. But despite <laughs> all of that, <laughs> you know, God was still able to. <sighs> Here's the thing. It's it, the Bible, like that verse here in Hebrews basically told, told us, you know, it's better to be disciplined by God than basically having the world have your way with you. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, David, in a sense, you know, even though he lost a lot, he still gained a lot. Heck, he, he funded the building of, yeah, the, temple, yeah. of the temple. So, in the end, it still comes out for our good. True. I like how you mentioned, too, that yes, God does say that David is a man after his own heart. Mm -hmm. So David never backslid. He never turned away from God in his heart. Mm -hmm. Yes, he did sin against the Lord, but he never turned away from him in his heart. So when God does discipline him, he doesn't stay rebellious. He repents. Yes. He accepts that there's going to be a consequence to his action. He, he deals with the consequence. And in the end, he does lose things. <laughs> yeah. He does. But he still comes out victorious at the end of it. And I just... I love being in this new covenant, though, because David had to go through, you know, all those mistakes mm -hmm. and he had to go through all those consequences as well. Like even he, God did even forgive him. But like now that we're under grace, mm -hmm. it's a little different for us because um, Paul says, shall we sin under grace? God forbid, because grace is actually so graceful mm. that even though we've been set free from sin we don't have to be slaves to sin anymore where we have to obey it as if it was our master right we can literally we're so free we can choose to go back into sin that's how free we are mm. 
and we're not robots. You know, God is like watching a sports game on rerun. Like he exists outside of it, but yeah. it doesn't change the fact that what was going on at that time, these people had free will mm -hmm. to do whatever they did in that game. Right, right. And so we still have our free will, even though God knows what's about to happen. And him knowing that I'm going to set you free. I'm going to wipe your slate clean. I'm going to give you the power to not even go back into sinning. But you still can if you want to. Mm. And Paul says, just don't do it. Because why would you allow yourself to be snared again by what you have been set free from? And when we really love God, the Bible says that we show our love by obeying his commandments. And I would say that if you, when we find ourselves struggling with something, right? We find ourselves failing with something. Mm. It's because there's an absence of love there. Because mm. love never fails. That's right. So if something is failing, there's an absence of love somewhere. So it's like, do I truly love God? Because if I do, I will find it within myself to yield to him. I will find it myself to get set free from the sin. I will find it in myself to see in the word what I need to do to be pleasing in his sight, well-pleasing in his sight. And then that's what I'll pursue. And I think that's what David came to he knew he did all this and that he said i need to make these right i need to make things right with god and if we keep that heart posture that i'm going to make things right with god and he's going to give me the power to keep things right with him we have to understand that that's our portion now in this new covenant that's what jesus died for to reconcile man back unto god and that's not a temporary thing he wants to permanently reconcile us back unto god and so we got to stop thinking as well that in this life, we're just going to be tormented and then we'll go to heaven and the, the, the heaven will be better days. No, no, no. <laughs> Jesus says that in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. That's right. That's right. He's overcome the world. And we're reborn to him that overcame the world. And that makes us more than conquerors. Mm -hmm. And so godliness is profitable both now in this life and in the life to come. And so we should benefit from godliness even now. Oh, Absolutely. Saints are not sinners because right. saints don't sin. And there are many Bible verses to back that up, but we have to have that understanding in our heart. Mm -hmm. And then we also have to understand as well that, yes, I can sin. But even if I do, that doesn't change anything about God. No, he still loves you. He still wants you to be reconciled back unto him. And so you can't come back unto him. I feel like, you know, um, and in turn makes it to where it's like there's no like God gave us such a freedom to where we can do whatever we want <laughs> but not everything is beneficial uh, yeah yeah so it's like it's almost in a sense like god god's like all right you know you can do whatever you want but you know they're still right and wrong true and you know if you do go in that direction know that you know you can come back but like you don't want it's to fall the, in love with You don't with want that. to fall in love with it. And, and it kind of makes it, because instead of being enslaved, you intentionally, you did it yourself. You put forth the actions towards that thing. And what is, that should, that speaks volumes more than actually being enslaved into wow. something. <laughs> That's so true. There's a, there's somebody that Paul writes about, I believe in 1 Corinthians 5, and he, like it's a short chapter too. But Paul's saying, like, what is this I hear? 
that there's like this fortification among you that not even the Gentiles, <laughs> the Corinthians, are participating in. Yeah? And so there's a guy that's like having sex with his stepmom in oh the church. And Paul's like, if you don't kick this guy out the church. Yeah. And so Paul doesn't say like, cast the demon out of him. Because mm. he's a part of the church. Mm. So at some point, he's received that grace, that forgiveness, the blood of Christ. And he chose to, to go back into sin and such an egregious sin at that. And so I like, I like what you're saying that yes, there is grace, but we don't want to fall in love with the grace side of God because mm -hmm. we get to the point where like you're saying, you're intentionally choosing to sin. Oh, God will forgive me. But you're intentionally choosing to sin. Yeah. They're, you're abusing the grace that's been given unto you. Like, yes, it gives you freedom, but that doesn't mean you, man. The grace is there to give you the freedom, but it's not there for you to just freely live the way you want. Wow. Very true. Very true. We got to live the way God wants us to live. That's right. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ, but nevertheless, I live yet not myself, but Christ in me. And so our lives are like a video game character for Jesus. Seriously, Jesus just literally just came down as tutorial and said this is how you do it and then left and then and then that then we're just like okay but it's like he gave us the he's the hmm how should i say this i'm thinking i'm thinking in terms of games he gave us the robux <laughs> he came in as the tutorial but you know how like you'd be playing certain video games and like sometimes you have the tutorial come in but it'll kind of get kind of annoying you're like you know i'm just gonna play and then you try to play it without knowing the instructions yeah. and you end up failing for whatever reason. And then you just start to realize, you know what? Maybe I should have <laughs> stuck with the tutorial True. and followed the directions. Yeah. I like that. It's, we literally have been given a blueprint. You get freedom. Mm -hmm. After coming on the Christ, you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit, you stay free, and then you live free. Yeah. And then you live free eternally. And so that's what everybody truly wants deep down inside. But then they come to, um, I'm putting an umbrella term over these people, but you, people come to this point where it's like, they want heaven, but they don't want the God of heaven. Mm. They want salvation, but they don't want the Lord of salvation. And you can't have one without the other. Jesus is the way. Mm -hmm. And so the word is the way. God's method for everything, for exaltation, for deliverance, for um, whatever is his word. And like you're saying, that's why he sent Jesus Christ to be a blueprint. Like Hebrews talks about how Jesus was like the, um, let me look at it. I think it's Hebrews three. Let me get the KJV though. And it's definitely not Hebrews three. Is it one three? Yeah, okay. Jesus Christ, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of God's person. Jesus Christ is the expressive image of God. So when Jesus talks about, I only do what I hear and see the Father say mm -hmm. and do. And Jesus says that, what do you mean you have you want to see the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because Jesus Christ is the express image of God's person. And we're said to be like him. That's why we have to stay free. Yeah. That's why we need him to even get free. That's why we have to flee from lust. That's why we have to abstain from sin. Because we're supposed to be the express image of God's person.
in Christ. That's right. It's like it's the biggest game of Simon Says, except it's God Says. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> and like we were mentioning earlier, you do those things, that discipline, and at the end of the discipline, you get pleasant fruit. So let me um, ask you this. If you were to meet like a young lad, a young disciple, and you kind of see that there's a grace that's missing in his life or her life, or I say his life, mm -hmm. keep it appropriate. And you come on to them because you see that there's freedom missing there. And you, you know what it is that they need in the truth, what they need to know, what they need to obey to get the freedom in that area. But then they're like, you're just judging me. But no, you're not judging them for to condemn them. You're judging them righteously so that you can help them to get freedom in that area. Mm -hmm. How would you handle such a situation? Um, well, I would tell them the two different kinds of pains oh. you could go through. Snap, snap. <laughs> I would let them know, look, you're going to have to go through the pain of, of discipline or the pain of regret. Choose the discipline part. Because you will reap fruit at the end of the day from that. Because if you choose the pain and regret, you know, life will teach you. You don't want life to teach you. No. You want God to teach you. Yes, it will hurt, possibly, maybe, more than likely. But <laughs> you will come out at the end stronger than ever. And you'll come out in the end being like, you know what? That was better. I shouldn't have. And you don't have to feel that longing of regret. You don't. I don't. I'm telling you, you're not going to like the feeling of regret. No one likes the feeling of regret. No one. And it's better to just feel that momentarily pain of discipline. Momentary, yeah. And then, because it's momentary. It's not that it's forever. And not that regret is forever. It's just it can feel like forever. But, um, yeah. Yeah, bro. You just brought to my uh, mind, I don't know where this is. It's probably in Corinthians as well. But Paul talks about how there are two types of um, sorrows. Mm. And he says that godly sorrow works repentance, but the sorrow of the world leads to death. Mm. And so regret is that sorrow of the world. Yeah. And we see that in uh, Judas's life. Mm -hmm. He sells Jesus out. And then he's like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? And he goes and tries to give them the, uh, the silver back. Like, no, we don't want that blood money. And then what does Judas do? He takes his own life. He takes his own life. And Peter... Similar thing, he betrays Jesus, the rooster crows. But what does Peter do? He hides and cries in the corner. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't kill himself. <laughs> he, doesn't kill himself. <laughs> he for sure doesn't kill himself, but he has this godly sorrow. Yeah. It was contrition in his heart. And we see that not, you know, he makes things right with God, even though he sinned against him and betrayed Jesus. He, like, Peter, that said, like, maybe like three redeemable things out of all the gospels. Mm -hmm. He preaches that amazing message in Acts 2. And from that, 3,000 people get added to that church that day. The same God preaches in front of all these men who couldn't even, who couldn't even um, not deny Christ in front of like those people, that girl or woman at the campfire or something at the fire pit. Yeah. And so I don't want to bring that up because you can be Peter or you can be Judas. Yeah. But the thing is, we know Judas dies, but what Peter does, he becomes a great man of God and he is like highly used. And we still talk about Peter to this day. And that, that's, that should be our story as the redeemed. 
those who were once far from God or away from God, and even those who were close to God, but not in fullness, never really come into the, the knowledge, the saving knowledge of the truth. Mm -hmm. But then once we get that saving knowledge of the truth, what happens then is we become holy, we become righteous and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go for God and to stay with him, to stay holy, to stay upright and to stay empowered by the Holy Ghost to reconcile the world back unto Jesus or back unto the Lord. So let me ask you this. Was lust and abstaining from it with holy habits, was that like the biggest thing for you? Was that like the main thing the devil had that kind of just kept you bound? Um, yeah, I would definitely say. I would feel, I would say that it was definitely it. That was it. You know how they talk about in the Bible, I don't know the verse off the top of my head, but it's when um, when the evil spirit leaves a person yeah, and man. comes back with seven more seven more and all that i definitely felt like um you know with lust being that issue for me it definitely um that was the main issue but it also had its own sub issues oh, yeah, that yeah. came from it to where you know i was insecure about certain things like you know i never considered myself a jealous person but then all of a sudden i started to be jealous and envious of people and not that and um and just others you know random things that i would never thought i would feel like i feel like oh no i'm you know i'm too mature to feel that way or um that's never been a thing that's ever crossed my mind mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it starts crossing my mind it's just like where did that come like where did that come from and so um yeah so i guess i would say that you know, lust was the main thing, but it kind of, I want to say metamorphosed into where it... No, that makes a lot of sense. Because, little... like, one crack is going to basically lead to the entire thing being compromised. Mm -hmm. And so you gave place to the devil here, and, he, you know, he took a mile with it. Yeah. You know, one man had a legion of demons in him mm -hmm. to, like, fill a whole herd of swine. So the devil doesn't take up that much space. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes it so deadly to give place to the devil. And I understand now why Paul says, don't give any place to the devil. Because right. you don't know what he's going to bring in. What other demons he's going to bring in to oppress you. Mm -hmm. And to make you insecure. And to cause confusion in your life. And so, man, how much more should we just welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives and just stick with him? Right, exactly. Because at the end of the that story for the swine, immediately... They, they killed themselves. Mm -hmm. And I would say that's definitely what the devil wants to do to us. Now, I, I mean, the swine don't have, like, a will as a human does. Right. That's, I'm sure that's why they, like, immediately ran over the edge. But it's like, there's nothing good in doing what the devil wants you to do. And the devil wants you to do everything opposite of what God tells you to do in the Bible. And the end of that, which is sin, is death. So, like, why give in to death when we've been given life? Indeed. I think part of the reason why is because of, um, yeah, I feel like it kind of goes back to the, the beginning with Adam and Eve. And, you know, when Eve came upon the apple or the fruit, whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Sin can have a certain appeal to a look to it to where you, you know, you're attracted to it. And really, I feel I 
I'm not gonna say I feel. I know, like, a lot of the times in our life, we're always put in situations to we're faced where we're faced to making two different decisions. Ultimatum. <laughs> I think of it how like in certain like going back to video games, but like certain adventure games that have you always making these two different decisions. They put you in these split this split paths and um one will either take you something good, the other would probably not. But um we would look on each side and we'll see one is more attractive than the other. Yeah. And so we would go for the more attractive one because it seemed like the right decision or it seemed like it would help me for that moment or seem like it would make me feel good for I just need to feel good right now or I just need one more bite of that cake I don't know <laughs> you know yeah and pleasure for a season yeah and so it was definitely at the time it's like delayed gratification over oh um instant gratification yeah shoot we can go into the, all that with <laughs> but it was a different topic <laughs> that's okay but um i feel like that's the case when it comes to when it came to lust and all that for me all right let's finish with this you mentioned how getting into a church that was really big on community and building a relationship with god helped you a lot and um you're um you're walking to freedom so since then, what are you doing now in this community? How are you helping other people? Uh, well, one of them, you know, my brother here mentioned, you know, I'm involved, I work at Street Reach. It's like a, it's like a, a sidewalk Sunday school. And uh, gives, like yeah, <laughs> it gives us both the opportunity to go into these different neighborhoods uh, and really just minister the gospel to these kids, play games, jump around, have fun, act crazy, <laughs> but most importantly, pour, the gospel, pour, pour out the gospel to them. And, uh, and many other different other stuff as well. I'm, I'm all over the place. <laughs> so why are you all over the place? Why? It keeps me out of trouble. <laughs> That's a good enough reason. <laughs> you know, I, like I said, I'm, it's important to be intentional about why you do why you what you do. <laughs> That's why I still, like I said, go back to that verse. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test mm. me. Know my anxious thoughts. Find any wicked way in me. Lead me back on a path of everlasting. Even when you think you're doing something for God, make sure you got the right motivation for it. Amen. So, um, yeah, it keeps me out of trouble. And I do it because... You know, in the end, I it, when I give to, to give of myself, I know when it when it comes to God, when I give to myself, I'm no longer gonna reap back. Mm. And sometimes you gotta, I gotta call in that harvest that I reap back. But I know that I'll reap back whenever I give of myself to the things of God. So that's why. Amen. Following God always works to your benefit. That is not the case with the devil. No. At all. All right. Well, 
Thank you, Malcolm, for coming on the podcast and just sharing with us your life story, your uh, testimony, and just revelation that God has given you in his word that has helped you to get free and stay free. And uh, honestly, we'd love to have you back. So just let me know what's going on in your life. If you got something you want to tell, we'll get you booked for another episode. Sure. And so um, I'm going to leave everybody with this right here. Following God, living godly in Christ, is guaranteed that you're going to suffer persecution. And that persecution gets tough. Uh, walking the narrow road gets tough. Avoiding temptation, it gets tough. The trouble that comes, it does get tough. But God delivers us from all of it. The Bible says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him, her, it, not just playing, delivers us from, <laughs> from them all. And that is a promise, all right? And so if we're ever in time of need, where we need God to move. What we want to do is we want to get outside of ourselves. We want to decrease so that he can increase. Because at the end of us, right, coming to the end of ourselves is where God begins. So remember that.